You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we continue our series on 1 Peter called Homeward Bound, looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. Excited to continue our sermon series of the book of 1 Peter. So if you have a Bible this morning, you can turn to where we left off last week. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We have uh, been going through this series and we've entitled it Homeward Bound based on this short little book of 1 Peter. We've talked about the author, Peter. We've talked about the recipients, those dispersed throughout Asia Minor. We've talked about how we as Christians were all exiles and not immigrants and how we, we, are, we long to go home. We talked about how we have a living hope that's imperishable, undefiled, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Last week, we talked about navigating that journey, basics for staying on course and not drifting away, making sure God is in the captain's seat and that we're obedient to Him, desiring to grow by the milk of the Word. That's where we left off last week in chapter 2. Today, Peter kind of changes his tone a little bit in the verses we're going to look at today. And it falls on such a a perfect Sunday. This is a Sunday that that we set aside, that churches, evangelicals all across America set aside, and we call it Sanctity of Life Sunday. And we do that because it comes on the anniversary of the week. Actually, this year it falls on the actual day that that infamous decision was made 50 years ago, Roe versus Wade where a woman could decide to take the life of her unborn child and the the government couldn't interfere. I'm not going to talk so much about that today, but I think it's interesting how this all worked out, how this falls on today. Because Peter, in what we're going to read about, he hits on just how special we are, how we're chosen, how we're we're set aside, how we're set to be be high and special and made made for a purpose. Let me ask you all a question today. Has anyone ever made y'all feel special, wanted, or needed? You know, when somebody does that, it makes a big difference in how you view your situation. I've had a lot of people make me feel special through the years, uh, but probably the best kind of treatment I've ever got. A few years ago when when I was flying, it looked evident that I was going to be laid off. And before I was laid off, I said, I'm going to use these flight privileges and I'm going to do something I've always wanted to do. So I booked me and my mother and my grandmother a trip to London. And not only was it a trip to London, me and my mother, we were able to get first class seats nonstop from Houston to London. Now, England was pretty cool, but I'll tell you, that first class seat for 10 hours, man, if you've never done that, they roll, roll, roll out the royal treatment for you. They give you anything you want to eat, anything you want to drink. They give you those little hot towels. They even give you a little bag with socks in them. I remember that those tickets are like $5,000 a piece. And I was so happy whenever uh, I was able to work that out. And uh, how it works with standby, if y'all don't know, if nobody claims the seat, it's open and you can take it. And I remember seeing my name on that first class seat, and I was like, man, this is going to be great. And we got it both ways. 
I'll never forget that feeling of feeling important. Nobody on that plane knew who I was. I could have been an actor. I could have been a celebrity, a politician, whoever. But I just felt so important. I believe Peter's intention in these verses we're going to read today was to remind these exiles that even though they're in a bad situation, even though they're exiles, even though they're longing to go home, that they are very important and they're very special. So I'm going to read the passage as a whole first, and it's verses 4 through 10 in 1 Peter chapter 2. Then I'm going to go verse by verse with it. This is what he said, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you, exiles, you Christians, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who were once not a people... But now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. There is a lot in there, but just reading that, just reading it on its surface, that should make you as a Christian feel pretty good about just how, how precious the Lord views His people. So let's go through verse by verse in this this morning. And uh, some of these bullet points, sermon points, they're kind of a question. And I encourage you to, to ask the question of the text and go home and think about it. But in verse 4, we see that Peter says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Rejected by men, but chosen by God as precious. Clearly, church, in this verse, Peter is talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus he was rejected, he was despised, and he was crucified. Not for, not for himself, but for us. But despite the rejection, despite the pain, despite the anguish, despite all of the things that he went through in this life, God had a greater plan in it all. And it was planned right from the beginning of time. It was a plan orchestrated by God Almighty, and God viewed Jesus and his plan as precious. Precious. A lot has changed since this letter was written. We've got iPhones now. We've got airplanes and automobiles. All kinds of things have changed. But I want to tell you today, church, that Jesus is still very much rejected by men. In the world today, we live in a world that, that absolutely loves Buddha, that loves Muhammad, Krishna, any of the Greek pantheon of gods. But say the very name Jesus and you will see hate and hostility arise. You know, we see this play out almost every day in our culture. 
One can say whatever they want to about Jesus. You can make my Lord and Savior out to be whatever you want to be. You can make a sitcom about him, a cartoon about him, a Netflix series about him. Do whatever you want to. Criticize his name, curse his name, but criticize a false god. Make a cartoon about Muhammad and you'll have the ACLU knocking at your door. The point is this. The world rejects truth. The world hates truth. If you stand up for Jesus, you'll likely be rejected as well. Rejected by men. But let me tell you something, church. You'll also be viewed as precious as well by God our Father. Let me tell you, if you want a nugget, Miss Ava, if you want something to put in your pocket and go forward, this is what I come away with this this morning. I would rather be rejected by men and viewed precious by God than viewed precious by men and rejected by God. That's really the decision that these exiles have to have to deal with. And it's a decision that we all have to deal with. We have a decision. Are we going to seek man's approval or God's approval? And at the end of the day, church, I hope that you will come to the conclusion that it's better it's better. It might, it might hurt. It might sting. It might seem unfair. It might cost you friends. It may even cost you family members. But let me tell you, it is indeed better to be rejected by men and viewed precious by God than to be viewed precious by men and rejected by God. Talk to you just about how precious you're viewed by God the Father. Look in verse 5. We're part of this grand masterpiece that God is building. He calls Jesus a living stone. And then Peter says, you also, Christians, as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through, through Jesus Christ. Man, Christians, you're also a living stone. You're part of a new, indestructible temple. You are part of the work of God, just as Jesus Christ himself was. A different part, but a part nonetheless. Man, how, how that should change everything, how we leave here today. Hold your head up high. Live with purpose. Live with dignity. Man, realize this morning how special how special of a predestined calling it is to be built up, set apart, to live as living stones. Now listen, that, that feels good for, for you and me, and it has great implications for how we live. But it also has great implications, not just for how I view myself, but how I view all of you. How we view other members of the household of God. Think about it. If I view my brothers and sisters in Christ as God views them, as living stones, as being part of a holy temple, then I'm going to treat them as precious. I'll be careful what I say about them. And I'm going to work to build them up, not to tear them down. Boy, I tell you what, business meetings would look a lot differently if we treated each other like living stones, wouldn't it? We're to build each other up, not to tear each other down. So what makes one a living stone? If you're reading this and I put myself in, in, in the recipient's shoes and I imagine they hear this tone and they're like, a living stone, huh? Well, what makes me a living stone? 
And this is what Peter says in verse 6. Therefore, it's also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. What makes one a living stone? Is it giving a lot to the offering? Is it giving a lot to, to Lottie Moon? Is it knocking on a lot of doors? Is it, is it loving my neighbor as myself? That can make you appear to be a living stone. But really what the text says is he who believes on him. It's believing in this cornerstone, believing in Jesus, believing that, that he died for your sins, believing that he imparted on you his righteousness. There's nothing, nothing besides faith that can make a man a, a dead stone into a living stone. Peter is just quite clear here, referring back to the Old Testament, that he who believes on him will by no means, no means be put to shame. If I had to title this sermon, I went through all kinds of things in my mind, but this is what I would say. I would say seat taken, but tickets are available. Listen, my seat on this journey is taken because I believe on him and I will by no means be put to shame. If you're here today and you're a Christian and you placed your saving, your faith in, in Jesus Christ, your seat is taken. No one's going to bump you off. Paul said we're more than conquerors through Christ. Will we be despised? Yes. Will we have trials and tribulations? Yes. Will we be, uh, will we die physically? Yes. But we will live forever. And we will be resurrected as Christ was resurrected. Oh, I hope this morning, I hope that, that you've accepted God's gift of salvation. And I hope that you can identify as being a living stone. It's a great promise. It's a wonderful thing. And, and here's the next question that comes up. Well, it's so great and it's so wonderful. People are willing to die for it. Why don't people want to be a part of this? Why are people rejecting this wonderful truth? Why are they rejecting this wonderful call? Why do people reject? And Paul hits, hits on this. And to be honest, this is, this is kind of deep. But I want to share it nonetheless. And the first part's pretty simple, but the latter part's a little deep. And this is what he says in verses 7 through 8. He says, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. Why don't people want to be a part of this? Why are people not living stones? He says it right at the end of verse 8. They stumble being disobedient to the word. They stumble being disobedient to the word. The same word that was preached to these exiles at the end of chapter 1. Here's the truth, church. It's never changed. Men and women hate what the Bible says about us. We hate being called sinners. We hate the doctrine that somebody needs to save us. Men and women hate the idea that we're not in control of our own lives. 
Men and women hate the idea of submission. Men and women, we want to be God instead of respect and worshiping God. So they reject Jesus and they stumble and they reject the word. And God gives men and women exactly what they ask for. Church, it is absolutely within your right to reject Jesus. It's absolutely within your right to reject this word. But realize this, reject Jesus, you get an eternity without him. Jesus does not reject men. Men reject Jesus. To reject Jesus is to reject joy, to reject love, to reject peace. And you reject him now, you reject him for for all eternity. You get an eternity without all of them things. It's pretty simple that that people just reject. But here's a, a deep part. At the end of this, my New King James Version says they stumbled being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. In the ESV, it says they were destined to do this. They were destined to say no to Jesus. They were destined to stumble. One could read that and say, well, God made these people and God made them knowing that they were going to reject him. And there's a little truth to that. But let me share this with you. Biblical writers, no biblical writer, never exempted human beings from responsibility, even though they believe God ordains all things. It's not God's fault. Peter, the man writing this, he also spoke in Acts 2.23. And in in that sermon at the day of Pentecost, Peter indicted those who crucified Christ, even though the execution was predestined by God Himself. They were not coerced into crucifying Jesus against their wills, no. They put Him to death doing exactly what they willingly wanted to do. Similarly, Peter here is criticizing those who stumble over this cornerstone for their their unbelief and disobedience. He did not argue that their unbelief is free from any guilt because it was predestined. Peter articulated a common theme that we see all throughout the Bible, that human beings are responsible for their sin and sin willingly, and yet God controls all events in history. Understand this, church. People don't go to hell because they were not offered redemption. They go to hell because they reject redemption. Does God know it's going to happen? Absolutely. So why would Peter emphasize this? Why would he emphasize the theme of God's sovereignty here? He could have just said, well, you know what, they're... They're going to they're gonna be disobedient to the word. But why did he go on to say they were appointed to do so or they were destined to do so? There's a few reasons. One, to comfort his readers, assuring them that, that, hey, all this evil we see in the world is still under God Almighty's hand. God still reigns even over those who oppose him and who oppose these early believers. But I also believe... I also believe that he put it in here for the next verse. I also believe he put it in there so we understand our purpose. 
because it's tempting to get this idea. Well, if some people are not going to believe and they're, they're predestined to not believe, well, then I don't have to do anything. There's no need to share. There's no need to proclaim. There's no need to invite anybody to church. There's no need to be part of a grow program. There's no need to have evangelistic events. What's the point of a revival? Who's going to come predestined to come? Whoever anyway, right? Well, Paul or Peter says this. And then this is what he says in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Makes us feel good. Now, what's our purpose? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who were once not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Listen, people rejected Jesus. People still reject Jesus. People rejected the disciples. People are still going to reject the disciples. People rejected the word then. They'll reject the word now. And they'll reject the word tomorrow. But listen, we were called to proclaim the word regardless who accepts or who rejects. That's on them. It's not on us and it's not on God. I believe that, that every purpose, every person, every person created, every person alive from the womb to the tomb has a purpose. But for the Christian, Peter lays it out, our purpose and our calling so clearly. You were chosen, you were set apart. Be part of a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people. To proclaim the praises of him that called you out of this darkness. And let me tell you, somebody that's been called out of darkness, don't you want to proclaim it and tell everybody, you don't have to live like that anymore. There's a better way. There's light not at the end of the tunnel. There's light in the tunnel. Come out of the darkness. Church, let me ask you, how are you doing that today? When the world looks, what do they see? They should see you as holy. They should see a light. They should see you as a person of God. They should see that a change has taken place. And they should desire that peace and that hope that you as an exile have. And maybe, church, maybe if they don't see such a change, is it possible that maybe a change is not taking place? Listen, you were not born into this family. You were born again into this family. You were not voted in. God called you in and you responded. He says it at the end of verse 10 so perfectly. One time, you were not a people, but now you are. You obtained mercy. One time, you had not obtained this mercy, but now you have. God called you. You responded. You received mercy you did not deserve. I love, love, love. And man, it just makes such a difference on this journey no matter what I face this week, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what I see on any of the news outlets, no matter what I see on social media, it's so good to know that my seat is taken. 
It's so good to know that God views me as a living stone and precious. And today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. A day that we set aside and we acknowledge that every life has value. And like the theme this year is that every person deserves a birthday. Like I said Wednesday night, God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. But I want you all to know this morning. Fifty years ago, that decision came down. And in 50 years, Americans alone have have killed 63 million unborn babies. And that's, that's just on the abortion issue. Since that, if you go back and you look at the research, suicide has went up, depression has went up, single motherhoods went up. It's just affected, I really believe it's affected everything. And really what I believe it's affected more than anything, people are walking around and they don't view, they have any purpose at all in life. People don't think they're important. People don't think that that God can use them for anything else. People literally believe their only contribution to America is global warming. And it's the saddest thing. We're reading today about how God wants to call a people and set them aside and use somebody for something so great. And I want you to know this morning. I hope that you all know you have purpose, but you will never find your purpose if you never find the one who gave you life in the first place. It just won't happen. I've I've read all the time, and y'all have too. Y'all know people that that have went to school and got multiple degrees. Y'all know actors. Y'all know singers that have accomplished the world. Robin Williams comes to mind. Funny guy. guy. Everybody loves Yet his life ends in suicide. That happens because we don't realize that God is calling us for something so important. He's calling. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you eternal life. And Jesus said, I want to give you life more abundantly. He wants to give you grace. He wants to give you mercy. He wants to make you a living stone. But the choice is the same today as it's always been. You've got to look at Christ and you've got to decide, is he going to be a stumbling block or is he going to be a stepping stone? Is he going to be a a cornerstone or a stepping stone to our God-given purpose? You know, I look back at that story I told you about, about that first class flight, and man, it was great. And I don't know if my mom enjoyed it as much as I did, but here's the truth. I worked all that out, and I was so happy. My mom's done so much for me, and I was so happy to be able to do that for my mom, to give my mom a first-class seat. But here's the truth. As great as that was, my mom had no obligation whatsoever to accept that. I mean, it was free for me. But I was like, Mom, here's a seat. Come with me. Just... You know what? Just make time and accept this seat. And church, I want to tell you, the same is available today. God has offered us a a holy nation, a holy priesthood. God has offered us peace. God has offered us joy. God has offered us eternal life. And all you've got to do is take it. I'll just close this morning by saying this. Tickets are available. They're available. All you've got to do is just accept it. Look, I believe with all of my heart that God knows who accepts 
and who rejects. But I also believe with all of my heart that God's Holy Spirit is powerful enough to knock on everybody's door. Just say, come on, come on, come on, come on. Will you accept Him this morning? The choice is yours. Accept Him or reject Him. The choice is yours. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you'll resolve to be part of this grand building, a living stone. I hope that you'll understand that biblical writers never exempted human beings from responsibility, even though we believe God ordains all things. I hope you know that you were chosen for a purpose, and I hope you know that if you haven't already accepted this seat, there's a first-class seat with your name on it. Have a great week.